This is Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO, Licensed Insolvency Trustees. The views and opinions expressed on this show are not necessarily those of this station. Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO on VOCM. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Your Money with Nancy Snedden. I am Nancy Snedden. Thanks so much for tuning in today. On today's show, if you're a parent and concerned about your child's financial future, you're not alone. According to a recent survey, parents are increasingly worried about their children's financial future. So how do we turn this around? Well, my guest today has some advice for you. She's one of the country's leading authorities on teaching our kids about money matters, and she's a charter professional accountant, public and conference speaker, writer, and best-selling author. Her latest award-winning book, The Wisest Investment, Teaching Your Kids to Be Responsible, Independent, and Money Smart for Life, gives parents the information, strategies, and inspiration that they need to teach their kids about money. I also want to mention it was awarded the best adult book of 2022 by the Institute of Financial Literacy. Robin Toe, welcome back to the show. Hi, Nancy. Thank you for having me back during Financial Literacy Month. Yeah, it's such an important month. I mean, I, I like to think that people are thinking about their financial literacy all year long, but certainly mm-hmm. highlighting it in November and sort of putting an, a focus on it for people maybe who aren't spending the time that they could or, or should on financial literacy is important. So really glad to have you here today. Before Thanks. we get into it, I'm wondering if you can share a little bit more about your background with our listeners. Sure. So as you mentioned, I am an accountant by training and I did start out my my career uh, in traditional roles in audit and in tax. And then I, I transitioned to derivatives marketing. I worked at Citibank Canada on the trading floor. And then after I did that, um, when my kids were young, I was finding I wanted a little more control over my time. And that's when I decided to go out on my own. And I brought my years of experience as a financial professional um, as well as my interest in personal finance, I brought those things together and my credibility as a CPA to this work in financial literacy and specifically youth financial literacy. Yeah, Robin, that's great. Thanks for sharing that. And, you know, we talked about your book and I want to mention that, mm-hmm. you know, it is an award-winning book, The Wisest Investment, and you just updated it. So can you speak to why you felt the need to update your book right now? Sure. So, The book was originally published in uh, 2011, around then, and I updated it in 2021, um, right as we were at the peak of COVID and, and lockdowns and things like that here in Canada. And at that time, I updated it because we had moved into a digital cashless world effectively since the book was originally published, and I felt that there was a lot more challenges for parents to teach their kids about money when we weren't using cash as often. And just there were so many innovations in fintech and things like that that had occurred in the, in the 10 years since the original. So I also felt that COVID was a financial wake-up call and it was a really good reminder um, to parents about the importance of financial literacy, but there was also a lot of, of things in the book that just felt out of step. So that's why I did the update in 2021 and I renamed the book, The Wisest Investment, and it has a new cover and everything like that. And then I decided to do a light update this summer for two reasons. Um, One, I felt that some of the COVID references at this point no longer felt as relevant. And there was also some things that had arisen in the last couple of years, like financial influencers that we call finfluencers. I wanted to add a little more information on credit 
credit scores and things like that. And also we're uh, working on a U.S. edition of the book. So in order to create that, I felt like I wanted to have a very fresh and up-to-date Canadian edition as well. Yeah, I think that's great. And it is important, right? There is so many changes in the world of finance. Like you said, mm-hmm. social media and the, the influence or, or fin, I can't even say that, Robin, finfluence. Influence. <laughs> that are out there, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it is important, right, that that you're making the updates. And I'm sure people uh, appreciate that you're on top of this stuff, right, and are providing them with this new advice. Well, we're going to be discussing much of the updates in your book throughout the show. And as we speak to advice for parents out there, you know, we know that there's a lot of change happening. And amid the battle with inflation and an unsettled economic condition, we know mm-hmm. the financial uncertainty and affordability are really top of mind for so many Canadians right now. And a recent survey by TD Bank found that Canadian parents are also concerned about their children's financial future. So the survey shows that nearly three in five Canadian parents frequently worry about their children's financial future, with the overwhelming majority of 89% agreeing that they would feel more confident about it if their child had improved financial knowledge before their teenage years. Interesting. And two-thirds mm-hmm. of parents at 66% are not highly confident in their children's financial knowledge for their current age. Only one-third at 35% feel their kids are prepared to avoid the same financial challenges that they encountered when they were young. And speaking of making financial missteps, most parents at 60% claim they have made mistakes with finances due to a lack of financial education in their own childhood. So the survey also shows Canadian parents are not having regular discussions with their children about personal or home finances. Only 3 in 10 discuss finances with their child weekly. And a reason for this may be that 7 in 10 or 70% of parents don't feel they're prepared to support their kids' financial literacy at home. So, Robin, what is your response to the findings of this survey? Is there anything there that surprises you? Well, it's it reminds me of a survey that was done at the time that the book first came out. So, as I mentioned, around 2011. And at that time, CPA Canada did a survey that found that um, more than 70% of parents had tried to teach teach their kids about money, but two-thirds didn't feel they'd been very successful at it, and more than half didn't know what information they needed. So, unfortunately, it feels like parents are still in that, in that same situation, and they're still facing challenges when it comes to having these conversations, even though they know they're important and that their kids are looking to them to teach them about money. And some of the challenges that parents face are feeling like they don't have the time or the knowledge to teach their kids about money. Those are really the two biggest ones. Or, you know, they feel like they're not doing a good job at it themselves, so they feel uncomfortable having those conversations. Or just that money's a taboo topic and it's not something that they, they're supposed to talk about. So there's so many challenges and barriers, even though parents know that, you know, there are some there can be a lot of consequences both to their kids and to themselves if they don't teach their kids to be financially responsible, independent and money smart for life. 
Yeah, it's interesting, right? Like, there's so many um, things to unpack there. Parents don't feel they have the skills to teach their kids, right? Mm -hmm. They should be maybe looking how they can improve their skills to pass on to their their kids, right? Given that they are concerned that their kids aren't getting these skills at home. But then the flip side, like you said, is that they just don't like to talk about money. So why do you feel this? Like, how do parents overcome all of this? I guess more specifically... What advice do you have for the 70% of parents who don't feel prepared or confident in their financial literacy skills? How can they grow these skills so that they can be confident in having these discussions? Well, that's one of my my key philosophies around uh, teaching kids about money, which is to encourage parents to get their own financial house in order first so that they can lead by example and be good financial role models for their kids. And actually, that's how I structured the book is that the first chapter is really addressing parents, um, explaining why financial literacy is so important. And um, again, like, some of the other issues like it is being taught in school and and how that's happening here in Canada, but really that it's kids and society generally thinks it's parents' responsibility to teach. So even if you don't feel like you're doing the best job, you you can learn together with your kids. And the book is really designed to help you do that. And the first chapter focuses on these 11 healthy habits of financial management that parents can model for their kids. I've also created this financial role model self-assessment tool, which people can find for free on the wisestinvestment.com, one of my websites. And again, that's just to let parents uh, figure out what kind of financial role model they are currently and what kind they could be in the future if they just paid a little more attention to the financial behaviors and attitudes that they're modeling for their kids. So I guess I'm just trying to encourage parents um, not to think that they have to be perfect to get started, but that this is something that they can learn along with their kids. I think that's great. And you have to start somewhere, right? And that sounds like a great starting point, Robin, in in figuring out where you are and what you could be doing. So, Mm -hmm. you know, there's lots of discussion, I think, where people are thinking, well, what's the right age, right? When should I start talking to my kids about money? And, and, you know, what topics could I be covering at different ages? So we're going to get into that when we come back. Please stay with us. Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your requests to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money here on VOCM. I'm your host, Nancy Snedden, Licensed Insolvency Trustee with BDO Canada right here in Newfoundland and Labrador. My guest today is Robin Tobe. She's a chartered professional accountant, keynote speaker, and best-selling author. Her latest award-winning book, The Wisest Investment, Teaching Your Kids to Be Responsible, Independent, and Money Smart for Life, gives parents the information and strategies that they need to teach their kids about money. So, Robin, before the break, we were talking a little bit about, you know, how hard it is sometimes for parents to figure out, you know, what they should be talking to their kids about, when they should be talking to their their kids about money. And mm-hmm. I know that um, there's many articles out there that say, you know, the sooner the better. But in your opinion, is there a specific age when the money talk should happen? And I guess what topics do you recommend get covered in, and at mm-hmm. what ages? So the earlier you start talking to your kids, the better. And in the book, I suggest around the age of five, but every parent knows their child best and they'll know when is the the right time. But normally that's around the age where your kids may be going to preschool, they're around other kids. 
They may express a curiosity about what money is and how it works and what other kids have and do. So take your cue from your child. But I think, you know, around the age of five to eight, is a good is a good time to begin the conversations at an age appropriate level and as you mentioned i do have a framework um so i i feel like any conversation about money all the teaching that we do as parents falls under one of the five pillars of money and those five pillars are earn save spend share and invest so within each chapter, I, I address specific topics and examples under each of those five pillars of earn, save, spend, share, and invest. But also there's a chapter focused on a distinct stage of growing up or of childhood. And that chapter will address things in a very age-appropriate way. So there's a chapter for young kids, five to eight, one for preteens, nine to 12, another for teenagers, 13 to 17. And the last chapter, is for young adults who are 18 and over. So those five pillars never change. They're fundamental to financial literacy. But as your kids get older, the specific topics and examples under each of the five will change. That's great. I mean, it breaks it down. And I, like I said, there's the five pillars are so important. Then you can start teaching about the five pillars at any age. It's just the content is, is going to be, I guess, different and more complex as the kids get older, which makes complete sense, right? I mean, it's the same mm-hmm. when they're going to school. I think one thing that always resonates so much for me is that, you know, always looking for those teachable moments, right? Everyday yeah. scenarios where parents have the opportunity to talk about money with their kids. So maybe, Robin, you could share some examples of these teachable moments so our listeners can take note and, and maybe keep an eye out for these opportunities and capitalize on them. Yes, I. Um, that's another one of my strategies. So I mentioned being, excuse me, being a good financial role model and leading by example. Another strategy is to look for teachable moments and opportunity to build a money lesson into your day-to-day lives. And this addresses the challenge that parents face, but they don't have the time to teach their kids about money. But arguably, you don't have to set aside extra time. You're going to be transacting and interacting with money every single day. So just look for those as opportunities to talk to your kids about what you're doing. Just take a few minutes to explain or your kids may ask you questions. So some examples would be if you're going grocery shopping, your comparison shopping um, over different choices that you're making. You know, do you want to buy the name brand uh, cookies or do you want to buy the Oreos, for example? So you can talk about price and value and things like that. When you're checking out at the with the cashier or you're doing self-checkout, um, you know, you have to pay. So are you using a debit card, a credit card? Are you using your phone? Are you tapping? Are you entering your PIN? Every one of those things is an opportunity to discuss with your child what you're doing, like what's the difference between a debit and a credit card? What, why is it important to safeguard your PIN? Just looking for these um you know, everyday money events that your kids may be curious about. Yeah, I think that's great. And, you know, I often think in, in kids growing up today, like when I grew up, everyone had cash, right? I mean, you used cash. And mm-hmm. I'm dating myself now. <laughs> Me too. You know, some people <laughs> never see cash anymore, right? So for kids, watching their parents just tap their phone on everything and walk away with uh, goods and, and services, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm sure some of them think, like, what is that? Like, is that a never-ending supply? Your phone just gets you things? Like, you know, so exactly. They you know, don't take for granted. 
exactly they don't understand especially young kids as your kids you know when they're at that stage at those early stages that we talked about i think using cash when you do is a great opportunity to teach them because the concept of tapping or of digital money is just is not going to be something they can relate to they need something more tangible and also that, you know, that visceral feeling of loss you get when you hand over cash to someone is really different than what you just described when you're just tapping away. But obviously, once your kids open a youth account, they're going to get their own debit card. And the next thing you know, they're going to be tapping. So, you know, by that age, 9 to 12, they're ready to understand that, you know, we live in a digital world and that we don't use cash as often as we used to. We do a little bit still, but and it's good to have in case of an emergency, but more and more we're using these digital methods of payment of saving of everything investing so it's important that we talk to them about that because as you said spending is frictionless it's just so easy and saving is still really hard absolutely and you mentioned the digital world and i think part of that digital world or a large part of that digital world is social media right and yes. you've mentioned in the first segment uh, i had a real hard time pronouncing it. let's try it again fin influencers <laughs> you got it so for listeners out there who may not be familiar with this term can you talk a little bit about it Yes. So Finfluencers is an amalgam of the word finance and influencers. So as as parents, you're probably aware that there are influencers on social media. And these are people with a lot of followers who are um, often promoting products or services. And in this case, some of them are giving out financial advice. And so that's why they call them Finfluencers. Now, there's also fitness influencers, too, that they call fitfluencers. So um, this is a trend where people are getting advice from ordinary folks. Now, some of these people on social might have credentials. They might be CFP, certified financial planners, or like you, Nancy, licensed trustees, or like me, CPAs. But a lot of them are just people that have built up a following, and their advice is like fun and, um, you know, sassy, and it appeals to kids. But I think it's dangerous in a way because, you know, you have to know where your financial advice is coming from. And it should come from a, a reputable, credible source, and there are plenty of those out there too. So it's just a warning to parents to, um, you know, just talk to their kids about where they're getting their financial advice. There was just a survey uh, that we came across that found that kids still really want their parents and look to their parents to be the ones to teach them way more than than influencers and celebrities. So we yeah. have such an important role to play. Absolutely. And it's, it is such important life skills. You want to make sure that you're getting the right advice and, and it is a trusted yeah. source, right? And so for kids, their parents are that trusted source, right? Um, mm-hmm. A survey that I saw recently, Robin, shows that 49% of Gen Zers use social media as their primary financial education resource. And three in four yeah. Gen Zers and millennials cite a digital source as their most important source of financial information. 50% of respondents feel comfortable acting on the advice they're receiving through these apps. So when you hear these kinds of results, I think the update for your book is really timely and needed, right? Because well, it's good mm-hmm. to see that young people are interested, right? They're seeking mm-hmm. out this financial information, this financial advice. I think the bigger mm-hmm. question or concern would be, you know, can they or should they be trusting the advice like we're seeing, right? So is yeah. there things that, that parents can be doing or should be concerned about if they see their kids getting uh, 
financial advice or information from these apps? Well, I think there are some really good sources out there. Um, I know that, like, one of my kids learns a lot on YouTube, and he's very knowledgeable about financial issues, and, 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 and that is a big source of information for him. So it doesn't necessarily mean um, that it's not credible, but you have to vet it, and you have to be a little bit more skeptical. So you have to see, you know, who is this person and what kind of background do they have to be giving out this kind of information and, you know, put put it through a little bit of, of due diligence. I mean, there are also lots of officially official sources um, like podcasts and things like that that are coming from really reputable producers. For example, Planet Money is a really great um, financial podcast that comes from NPR Public Radio. So something like that is is fantastic. It's just, I feel like it's just these trendy TikTok things that um, where I get a little bit uncomfortable because I'm just not sure that that's, ba- that's solid financial advice that's going to you know, serve them throughout throughout their lives, and that's what we're trying to do with kids. We're trying to build a foundation that they can build upon. That's what these five pillars are, and we also want them to start good habits when they're younger. So, you know, I just get a little bit concerned about some of what they're seeing. Absolutely, and at the end of the day, I mean, you don't really know what the the credentials are, right, of the people who are giving this advice and how solid the advice is. So I think, you know, the important thing is that parents are talking to their kids, right, and yes, finding out, exactly. you know, what are they looking at, where, what advice are they getting, and sort of trying to vet it a little bit to, to see that they are, in fact, getting on the right track. So such yeah, really great advice for parents, I think. Sorry, go ahead, Robin. It's just another teachable moment, I think. Like, if your kid comes to you and says, oh, I saw something on YouTube or on TikTok, or you see them watching something, then you could say, like, you could ask them, like, you know, what about that resonates with you, or what about that sounds reasonable to you? And then if they're, if it's totally, you know, incorrect advice, you can explain why you think that that's not worth advice that's not worth taking or what the other side maybe you can balance out what they're seeing and point them to some other more reputable resources and I think with AI now Nancy that's an even bigger concern um, you know if they're using AI for to get their financial advice artificial intelligence these bots like chat GPT they can hallucinate which means they can produce incorrect information that sounds very credible because of the way the you know the conversational tone and the way the sentences are structured so it's really important to fact check some of the advice that they're getting out there with with a credible yeah. expert like yourself or a CFP or your accountant or your financial yeah, advisor. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I mean, there these, these you know advances in technology are phenomenal, but there mm-hmm. are you know things that you need to be aware of and make sure that, like you said, you're you're not just taking it for granted and taking it as gospel, right? When you're when you're yes, reading it, exactly. right? Yeah, really great advice I think for parents and for kids, Robin. And one of the other updates, uh, you know, near and dear to my heart that you did in your book focuses on credit card use. So we're going to talk about that when we come back. Please stay with us. Every Saturday is perfect for a night at the cabin. The Cabin Party with Brian O'Connell. Saturday night starting at 7 p.m. on VOCM.
Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money here on BOCM. I'm your host, Nancy Snedden, Licensed Insolvency Trustee with BDO Canada right here in Newfoundland and Labrador. My guest today is Robin Tobe. She's a Chartered Professional Accountant, keynote speaker, and best-selling author of the award-winning book, The Wisest Investment, Teaching Your Kids to Be Responsible, Independent, and Money Smart for Life. So, Robin, you recently updated the book, as we've been saying, and, and part of it was to address influencers, right, and the impact mm-hmm. that they're having on young people in the day of social media. But another area or topic that you revisited in the book was credit cards. So why did you feel the need to include this in the updates? Well, we had information on credit cards, but what what we felt was missing was a little more information on um, credit scores. And uh, I mean, we talked about credit history, but we we just wanted to explain a little bit more about um, what your credit score is and why it's important to build a good credit score and just um, to make it a little more um, practical for parents to explain that to their kids. Yeah, we know the practical advice, right, is the, is the best <laughs> advice in making sure that, you know, people can get a good understanding so that they can pass that knowledge on. And we know that mm-hmm. acquiring the first credit card can be a simple task for young people, right? It's not that hard, especially, you know, you're mm-hmm. going to post-secondary, you know, um, the, the first week of classes, there's often booths set up where you can apply for a credit card. And many financial institutions offer credit cards specifically targeted for students, and they're heavily marketed on university and, and college campuses, as I said. So yeah. while the limits on these cards are usually low, they can still lead to financial missteps. So what's your recommendation? Is there an appropriate age for young adults to start learning about credit cards? And I guess what key concepts should parents be ensuring that their kids understand before they get their first card? Yes. I mean, as we talked about earlier, your kids, even when they're young, are going to see you using your credit card or your phone uh, in your digital wallet, your credit card there. So it's important that they understand the difference between a debit card, which is buy now, pay now, the money's coming out of your account right away and it has to be there, or a credit card where you buy now and pay later and you have, you know, that that month where the charges accumulate and then a few weeks later the balance is, is due. So I introduce credit cards fairly early in the book because, as I said, you're, it's it's a teachable moment, but you know that your child can't get their own credit card until they've reached the age of majority. So they might have a credit card, which is a supplementary card on, the, on your account, the parent's account when they're younger. In case of emergency, that's very common, but they're often not seeing the charges or, and they're definitely not paying the credit card bill. So it's good to sit them down when they're teenagers and show them your credit card statement online and, you know, all the different transactions that you've made with them and explain how, like the mechanics of how it works, that you have to pay the, you know, you owe the full balance on the due date and you should ideally only be spending as much as, you know, you can afford to pay back in full when it's due. And if you only make the minimum payment, which the credit card company suggests, then you're going to be paying interest on your purchases at rates currently over 20%. And I'm sure you see this a lot, Nancy, in your work, because people really get into trouble when it comes to credit card debt. So once they're young adults, they've reached the age of majority, 18 or 19, depending where you live in Canada, that's when they have their own credit card. So you want them to know that if they're using it, they have to use it responsibly, that they should only spend what they can afford to pay back in full, and they'll know to look at their statement and know when it's due and make sure they pay it on 
time to avoid fees and penalties and interest. Absolutely, and you're right. I mean, a credit card um, usage does get people in trouble, especially in today's uh, age, right, where people are struggling with inflation, right? The cost of everything has gone up. And for people who are already cash-strapped, right, living paycheck to paycheck, yeah. many have turned to credit cards, right? And, and when you can't afford to pay the balance each month, that interest adds up very, very quickly. The minimum payment continues to increase, and, and it is how people get, uh, get in trouble quite often. So it is important that we're teaching our kids about this, right, and what interest is and why it's important not to uh, be paying interest on your cards, right? You don't, you don't want to give them the impression that credit cards are bad. I mean, there, there's lots of great yeah. things um, that people have credit cards and use them for, but you need, it needs to be responsible. I think with that too, right. Robin, there's a lot of misconceptions and myths out there for young people when it comes to credit cards. So can mm-hmm. you tell our listeners maybe what are some of the more common misconceptions so that parents know how to address these in conversations. I think that a lot of teenagers are naive about how credit cards work and maybe they think it's free money. So the first time they get their card, they're like, you know, super excited to use it. And, you know, it seems very mature and sophisticated to have a credit card, but they don't realize that they're borrowing money, you know, that this is money that they actually have to repay. So just, again, if you start teaching them about credit cards early, then they'll have that knowledge when they when the time comes for for them to get their own card and as we said they're going to be bombarded with these offers once they get to university or college often or start working so they need to be prepared because it's hard to live in a world uh, where you're using cash for everything like a credit card is very convenient especially right you know in this digital age where we said nobody's really using cash and for large purchases you're going to be using credit card but you do have to get into the habit of paying off that balance in full every month and you know not especially right now I think credit cards are at record levels and we're starting to see defaults because interest rates are super high inflation is high uh, um, the cost of living is high so people are getting to the end of the money before the end of the month and they're putting that difference on credit cards so it's it's really uh, a slippery slope where you can build up this kind of credit card debt that can be a huge burden because the interest rates as I mentioned are over 20 percent absolutely and I I talked a little bit Robin you know credit cards aren't necessarily bad right there's pros like anything there's pros and cons right to having uh, a credit card so why should parents be ensuring their kids understand about these so maybe we can go through some of the pros and cons yeah of course so the pros as I said it's convenient they're easy to use like they're you know convenient to use you don't need to carry cash it's safer you're not going to like misplace or lose cash if you do lose your card you can cancel it but it's you know that ease of use also makes spending frictionless um they also let you build a credit history and a credit rating which is you know some of the stuff that i added in the book this time is a discussion about your credit rating um and that's really important for kids to understand because even if they're not ready to take out a car loan or a mortgage, um, it, your credit score can be referred to in other ways. Um, it could be referred to by a prospective employer because it's seen as a, a sign of financial responsibility. It could be used by um, a landlord if you're getting your first apartment and you build a credit history by paying your bills on time. So, you know, there's it's, it's important to start that 
building that good credit history at a young age. I mean, some of the other nice things about credit cards are, you know, you can earn rewards like frequent flyer miles or get cash back. As I mentioned, they are sometimes the only way to pay for purchases, such as if you're shopping online. But they can be dangerous if you're only making a minimum payment. Then you can actually hurt your credit rating um, if you're making your payments late or you're missing your payment. Yeah, absolutely. And oftentimes people think that as long as they're making their minimum payment, their credit rating is going to be good. But that's only one thing that goes into your your credit um, rating, right? It's a full calculation and and part of it is your leverage, right? So how much of your available credit have you actually used? So continuing Mm -hmm. to build a balance on your credit card can actually impact your, your credit rating, even if you're making all your minimum payments. So there's so much that people need to, to know and make sure that they understand when it comes to, to credit cards. Well, yeah, when it comes even, to teaching, oh, sorry, go ahead, Robin. Just even looking at the statement carefully, showing your child, like, I feel like the bank, almost the way they, they lay out the statement, they don't emphasize to pay off the full balance. Like they sort of encourage you to make the minimum payment because then, you know, they, they can charge you interest. So you have to really look at the statement, show it to your child, explain that that is the amount that you're, that you actually owe and the date that it's due. And then the, the statement will tell you how long it will take you in years and months to pay off that balance if you only make the minimum payment. And it's staggering. I'm sure you've seen it. It's absolutely staggering. So that's such a good teachable moment um, to show your child that the statement and, and really break it down for them. Yeah, I remember um, when that first came into law where they had to Mm -hmm. put that on the credit card statements. We actually did have an influx of people coming to see us about a consumer proposal because for the first time they realized just how long they were going to be paying this debt and they could only afford the minimum payment, right? So they knew that they weren't going to be able to to get it paid down any sooner. So I'm glad that that's there. I hope people are still paying as close attention to it now as they used to be. Sometimes when things are there, it's sort of, um, you get used to seeing it and it doesn't have the same impact, but it is important to consider just how long that you will have to pay back that debt because it's interest that you're paying, right? Month after month after month. So uh, at such a high rate. And again, that's that's another good example of like how you can learn with your kids because if you are showing that that um, sentence to them, you might not have looked at it in a while, as you just said. So it's kind of forcing you to pay attention to it again while you're teaching them. So again, there's so many benefits when you're, as a parent, if you're teaching your kids about money, that where you're going to learn as well. Absolutely. Or be reminded. Well, yeah. When it comes to teaching your child about financial literacy and good money habits, it is important that parents remember you are their biggest influencer. So we're going to talk about that when your Mm -hmm. money returns. Please stay with us. Get lost in the music of legendary artists like Elton John, The Beatles, and more. Join Claudette Barnes every Sunday from 12 to 1 p.m. and relive fond memories through the power of music with Sunday Melodies on your VOCM. Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money here on VOCM. I'm your host, Nancy Snedden, Licensed Insolvency Trustee with BDO Canada, right here in Newfoundland and Labrador. My guest today is Robin Tobe. She's a charter professional accountant, keynote speaker, and award-winning author of The Wisest Investment, Teaching Your Kids to Be Responsible, Independent, and Money Smart for Life. 
So, Robin, your book title says it all, really, because teaching your kids to be responsible, <laughs> independent, and money smart for life really is the wisest investment that a parent can ever make. And teaching them proper money management and really helping them to grow their financial literacy skills is going to benefit them and their financial health and security for years to come. So you shared so much valuable advice on having the money talk, teaching them about credit card use and being aware of the influences and influencers that they will come across on social media. But we talked a little earlier, right, that kids do still want to hear from their parents on this stuff. They do see their parents as the biggest influencer. So, Robin, that is why I think it's so important to set a good example, right, when it comes to financial habits. So what advice do you have for parents when it comes to money and being a good role model for their kids? We really are important role models for our kids. And, you know, money is one area, but, you know, in other areas as well, like health and modeling a good work ethic and and many other things. Our kids are aware of both the good and the bad money habits in the home because they're watching and listening and learning from us. So they're absorbing a lot of our values and our habits. And that's why I mentioned earlier, I encourage parents to get their own financial house in order so that they can lead by example. And some of the the healthy habits that they can model for their kids are things like knowing where you stand financially, so preparing a statement of net worth, having a budget or a statement of cash flow that you refer to and go back to regularly and update, Uh, living within your means, so spending less than you make so that you can save and invest for future goals. And then, you know, making saving and investing a priority by paying yourself first and setting up automatic transfers to separate savings or investment accounts. There's a whole bunch of other habits in the book as well, like understanding the difference between good debt and bad debt. And, you know, there are many ways that parents can model these habits for their kids and have conversations about them so that, um, as I said, their kids can establish good habits themselves at a young age. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, something simply said as a budget, right? And, and showing them, you know, money comes mm-hmm. in, money goes out, and you need to plan for that stuff. Like, there's all kinds of things, right, that you can do and, and show and, and teach your kids. And I think it's really important, I think, when you're a role model, uh, Robin, to understand your personal values, right? The things in life that are mm-hmm. the most important to you. And then you can use them as a framework to guide your financial decisions and, and really set meaningful goals, because I think goal setting yeah. is, is an important thing to model for your kids as well. So, to help mm-hmm. you do that, you created a tool called the Values Validator, which is in your right. book and available free on your, your website. So can you tell us about this? Sure. So your listeners can find it for free at robintobe.com, which is my other website. Um, I had mentioned the Wisest Investment website earlier, and that one has the role model self-assessment. But the Values Validator is intended to help parents, and you can have your kids do this too, by the way, to help you tease out what your top five values are. And by values, I mean the things in life that are most important to you that you're willing to take a stand for. And that could be something like education, security, health, health, friendship, adventure. It's very personal, as you would expect. And you can use these values as 
as you said, as a framework to help guide and prioritize financial decisions and set meaningful goals. And most parents want their kids to share their values or they're curious about, you know, where their values overlap. So doing this exercise is really insightful and, and it's also, it's fun. So it doesn't take long. So I encourage you guys to check it out. That's great. And Robin, you know, I think it would be nice if I didn't talk to you about your own experience as a parent, right? Yes. So how much you're, you, you are a parent, you've got kids. So how much mm-hmm. influence did that have on you writing and updating your book? A lot, because when I wrote the book originally, my kids were uh, pre-teens and teenagers, and now they're in their late, mid to late 20s. So at the time, I, I, I really felt that it was important to give my kids the knowledge, skills, and confidence to make responsible financial decisions throughout their lives, the very definition of financial literacy. And, and it was a priority to me as a, you know, a financial professional to do that. And when um, when the book first came out, it was published by CPA Canada. Now it's independently published. But at the time, they commissioned me to write the book because they they felt this was something that parents really needed and were struggling with. So I did use my kids as a lot of the inspiration for my work, but I also did a lot of research, interviewed and spoke to tons and tons of parents. Um, looked into best best practices in Canada and around the world. And, um, you know, I really felt like I wanted to help other parents with this issue and um, do for them what I was able to do for my own kids. And I call, I, you know, I, I say that my kids are, you know, mostly money smart or money smart most of the time. Nobody's perfect. I feel really proud of them and where they're at and their ability to make sound financial decisions. Um, so I do feel like I have put my money where my mouth is. That's great. And, you know, I can hear the pride in your voice, actually, as you talk about that. <laughs> it is it is a source of pride for parents, right, when they teach their kids something and they see it uh, come to fruition, right? They actually see them using mm-hmm. the skills that they've helped them build. So I encourage mm-hmm. parents out there, you know, if you're concerned that you maybe don't have the ability or the knowledge to pass on these important financial skills to your kids, it's not too late to get them, right? You know, pick up Robin's book, go to her website, go through the Values Validator, um, you know, it's never too late and it is so so important as a parent to make sure that you are passing this knowledge on to your kids well robin it's been so great having you on the show today we do have some time now for some final thoughts so if you could leave our listeners with a final thought today what would it be as let's recap the three strategies that it's not it's it's three sort of final thoughts uh the three strategies for for teaching your kids about money are Try to be a good financial role model so you can lead by example. Look for teachable moments to build a money lesson into your daily lives. And and finally, uh, use your values as an invisible framework to help guide and prioritize financial decisions and set meaningful goals. You'll, you know, as, I, as we've said, teaching your kids about money really is the wisest investment and it will pay off in countless ways. Absolutely. And so, Robin, once again, I guess if people did want to reach out to you, mm-hmm. they wanted to get your book, they wanted to, you know, do the Values Validator, what's the best way for them to, to do that? Well, I'm on social media in, um, you know, all all different places, primarily uh, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn um, as Robin Tobe, and that's Robin with an I, T-A-U-B. I have two websites. Uh, one is thewisestinvestment.com for the book, and you can 
there's links there for where you can buy it on Amazon. And I have another website, which is robintobe.com, which has additional information such as resources that we've vetted, that we uh, stand behind in terms of books or um, uh, uh, other video content or courses, things like that. And it also has um, information on my speaking, blogs, as well as information on the book. So both of those websites are are there and I'd love to hear from you. So please, you'll see where you can, how you can contact me too, if you have questions. That's great. Well, thanks again for, for coming on the show. It's always great to have you on. You've always got such uh, such good, good advice, as I said. And for listeners out there, you know, if you want information around debt, there's also some great information on videodebt.ca. Um, there's some blogs and articles there that will teach you about uh, credit card use and the pitfalls of debt and, and all kinds of, of different topics. So lots of resources out there. The important thing is that you're, you're using them. So thanks again, listeners, for tuning in today. I always want to hear from you if you have a comment or question or a topic you'd like us to discuss here on your money you can email us at your money at bdo.ca or give us a call at 800-563-8337 until next week i'm nancy snedden stay safe and be well everyone if you have a question or comment send an email to your money at bdo.ca this has been your money with nancy snedden of bdo license insolvency trustees on your vocm